Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome into this festive edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas. Shaka Hislop is with us here in the studio. Jan Argafjordov and Julian Laurent are also here to join in these celebrations. You may be wondering, well, where are all the decorations? I, I was. Uh, Craig Burley was in charge <laughs> of that. <laughs> and, of course, oh. no surprise there. Uh, he couldn't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. Of course, tradition at this time of year to reflect on what we saw happen in 2023. Today, no exception. But we thought we'd get Shaka's power rankings. What? of the top 10 stories right. that we saw in the calendar year. As is tradition, we'll start with number 10, Shaq. Right. Do you remember what that was? VR. Right. Under scrutiny. Oh. Um, listen, I, I, I continue to be a huge advocate for, for VR and, and how it can improve the game, but the, the missteps are, are just kind of undermining or, or, or giving credence to those who've always kind of doubted it. I, I, I just feel get a protocol stick to it and less of, of this kind of trying to figure it out. I, I don't understand why the domestic leagues have made it so hard to, 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 to manage um, when in international tournaments, and yes, I understand it's a shorter format and fewer games in, in a closer, closer time, but it just, it, it just seems to be one error after the next down to even communication, not able to get that right. And that, that, that's damaging. Uh, Jules, when you socialize with fans, when you go to games, is VAR hated more now than ever? Yeah, definitely, Dan, definitely everywhere. People see, even the, the other day, the guy who came and checked the water in the house was saying like, oh, ah, no, I'm not having it anymore. I was, <laughs> I was keen at the beginning. Everyone, literally everyone, you mentioned VAR too, are just against it. Now, the way it changed the game, even from goal celebration, we've said that at the beginning, to the mistakes that are actually not clarified by VAR. Sometimes VAR makes it worse even. So yeah, it's a, it was a tough, tough, tough year for referees in general and for VAR in mm. particular, 2023. And unless they change it drastically, in, in, just in the way they use it, I think 2024 could be as difficult. Yeah, you can't, scrap, you can't put it back in the box now, Jan, but what you need to do is make it much more efficient. Absolutely. And I think the, some of the expectations we had, first of all, that we thought it should be 100% fair. I mean, that was a wrong start anyway. We thought that the referees should be, be stronger, that they should have a, a more authority on the pitch. I've never seen so many insecure referees ever because they, do, they don't do anything. No, they just wait that VAR will kind of correct them anyway. And sometimes you feel that the next step will be a super VAR that will correct clear and obvious mistakes by VAR. So uh, there's so many things that are happening at the moment. But as you were saying, Dan, I'm not sure. I, I, there's no chance I would put it back in the box. But we have to find a way and we have to use all the technology. Uh, like, for example, the, the offside they have in Champions League. Good. Brilliant. Yeah. Do that. Things like that. I also think that we see now somewhere that we can listen to the, the discussions 
I mean, that would be a bit comic, I think, at the beginning, but I think that will do it healthier as well. But it's been a bad year for VAR. Yeah, it really has. And it's so frustrating for us when we just want to talk about the football and you end up talking about what the decisions are. So that's number 10. Let's take a look at what Shaka has then at number nine. I've got the biggest game in English football being the most lopsided of affairs. Wow. Liverpool 7, Manchester United. You hate Manchester no, United. No, no, I, listen, I, 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 <laughs> I, I can hear Manchester City fans screaming at me. How come this is the biggest game? It's, it still is. I think this is the one that everybody still tunes into most. So to have as lopsided a result as that, and then consider that Manchester United finished out four, Liverpool did not, and it was a disappointing season by, by their standards. To, to see this, to, to witness this, um, I, that was as, as, as big a story as, as I think we'd, we'd seen in the league, certainly in terms of, of, of result. It's the seven, isn't it, Jan, that really sticks a knife in the United fans? Absolutely. And you, and you can argue that this is the biggest game on earth. And that is in terms of English football, two cities like Liverpool, Manchester, in terms of histor historic development and all that kind of thing. And 7-0. I mean, you can have a bad game and lose four and it still is scandalous. Five is that to getting embarrassing. 6-0, that is tennis results. 7-0, that is just a catastrophe. <laughs> it most certainly is. It's never good when you've got to write seven in parentheses after the actual number, Jules. Yeah, and I, it's funny because I watched it again the other day before the nil-nil, the very boring nil-nil that we saw uh, not that long ago. And the first half is actually good from United. They're probably the better team even at halftime, although Liverpool scored just before the break to make it 1-0. But when you watch that first half, you just cannot think that United are going to crumble like they, like they did in the second half. And the second half is just a... It's just a disaster from start to finish, pretty much. And for Liverpool to score six goals in there. But the, I think the expected goals for Liverpool in that game is 2.35. And they scored seven. They had 2.35 XG the other day when they drew nil-nil. Which shows you that sometimes you can just everything you try is just going in and that that afternoon that second half was just one of those halves where they could have tried anything and it was it would have ended up in De Gea's goal yeah it was an incredible result uh, incredible match uh, Anfield that's though at number nine what's number eight Shane? an incredible season in Germany a season where Dortmund and Bayern just kind of changed places all season long. It came down to the very last day of the season and what a dramatic final day it was. Bayern Munich had to win. Dortmund, what, they needed a, a, a draw just to, 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 be tight, to, be, to lift the title? And they could not do, they, they, they could not finish, finish the job off. Decision day in the Bundesliga. This is the grand finale. Borussia Dortmund hold the aces. However, if the Schwarz-Gelben falter at home against Mainz, Bayern would then have the power to snatch the title. Can Dortmund push through the open door? Kingsley Coman, and there's the first statement of the day. And it puts the pressure on Dortmund. Los McTarnan, hang on. Score the first goal. Decebo! It's two, and it's double trouble for Dortmund. Their dreams curling up at the edges before their very eyes. 
Run for a second time, and run back. All may not be lost for Dortmund. Hussein Bazic, What a chance for Köln, what a chance for Dortmund. Maybe the biggest moment of this Bundesliga season. It's a goal for Köln, and it feels like a goal for Dortmund. Luciana is on the pitch now, and Bayern desperately need a goal. Gnabry, Luciana. at the death for Dortmund. Before today, they held all the cards. But those cards torn and tattered with their title dreams. Bayern are the champions for the 11th year in a row. What's incredible about that final day, Jan, is that you play the whole season. You know, all those different matches, and it all comes down to the final moments. Absolutely. And you saw Dortmund there. There was over 80,000 in the stadium, or 100,000 outside the stadium, just waiting for the chance to knock down Bayern Munich for that top of the German Bundesliga. And then this happening. I mean, it's just... You can't believe it. Coming up to this, Bayern have given up the trophy. That, you know what I did that week? They fired Oliver Kahn. They fired Salahamisic. Salahamidzic and uh, uh, traveled with the team. Can't stay home. In the after the game, Bill Zeitung told them that he were fired, and Salahamidzic went into the dressing room. All the best boys, thank you for winning the championship. I'm fired, but let's have a party tonight. Nobody thought they would do it, and then Dortmund lack of DNA, lack, lack of winning DNA, couldn't beat Mainz at home. Can, couldn't get the point, and and you see this season, they they are still. They're still having a nightmare for that end of the season coming into this season. Yeah, it's evident. You know, the hangover certainly still goes on for a Dortmund side that will look back and just have so many regrets, not only on that day, but of course in other matches as well, leading up to handing Bayern the title. Absolutely. And, and the way Bayern just showing that they, they do have that, they were fighting, they, they were firing Nagelsmann getting him Tuchel. They were out of the cup, out of the Champions League. They could get, in, get into a season without a trophy. That is a crisis big time at Bayern. And then somehow Dortmund. I would say so much that, that I, don't, I don't think Bayern won it. I think Dortmund won it for them. Mm. Yeah, it was handed to them, Jules, wasn't it, really? Yeah, just incredible moment, really, that we will always remember where we were, where we watched it, for the ones who were in the stadium, the one who were in the other game, for example. And I, ju I just don't know, I don't think you can recover. And I know some players have moved on from, from Dortmund to Bellingham in particular, but Edin Terzic is still there. Most of the players are still there. And I just think it must stay. I mean, I've never experienced it myself, but it must be on, on your mind, mm. in your head all the time. It's, it must be a scar that just it never heals, really because can you just imagine it's there it's in your own state against mines this is it it's yours now you can't surely you cannot not win it and yet you still don't win it uh, that then our number eight uh, biggest story of 2023 according to Shaka what's seven um, the Saudi market shake up this probably could have been a whole lot higher this was the biggest story of, of the summer months Saudi Arabia comes in and starts splashing cash like nobody expected you weren't quite sure who was going, how much they were going for, the knock-on effects to, to the rest of, of European and world football. 
And in truth, the reason it's not higher is because it just kind of fizzled after, after that transfer window closed and, and it just kind of settled. And now we wait to see what comes again. But I don't, I don't think anybody has paid it as much mind as quite clearly they thought they would, given the spending that, that was done in, in Saudi Arabia. Now, Jules, is this a sign of things to come? Or as have you discussed on the Gavin Jules podcast quite a bit this year, that the fact that you have these big stars coming in haven't really affected attendances that much? No, that's right. And I don't think the league is still very good, to be fair, because I think eventually those superstars, as good as they are, just play at the level that they just need to, to play to, to be good and to kind of win matches for their team, if you see what I mean. Because the level of overall of the league is just not good enough because outside of the superstars, and by the way, there's a quota of, of um, players outside of Saudi that you can have, outside of Asia that you can have in your team, you can't just have 11 Cristianos or 11 Benzemas. Uh, and the rest are nowhere near as good as the superstars, of course. So that brings the level down. And overall, it hasn't been a very good league so far and it's just incredible of course and we know that PIF are going to keep investing for now that's what they're saying I think the summer was very special in the sense that the Saudis and Michael Menalo who is the kind of sporting director of the Saudi league all the big agents who clearly saw all the money that was available for them pretty much they must have contacted every single kind of top-tier player in all of the big five leagues. Everybody was, at some point, asked, would you fancy, would you want to come and play? This is what we can offer. We're not going to go again on the Jordan Henderson 700,000 pound a week wages, but pretty much all the top players from the top leagues in the top clubs have been contacted just in that summer. And they just got the ones that they could, and maybe without the quotas that I mentioned before, more would have, they would have tried to attract even more. It was just an incredible summer. Ever since that move to Saudi, though, you take a look at it, Mo Salah's been anonymous, Jan. Yeah, Mo Salah was close. <laughs> we, we know that. I, I, you, I don't, you, yeah. you stand by this, Jan. Obviously, you got a lot of stick for it from, from Liverpool yeah. fans, but you said this is very close. I said that I'm still standing with that, but Salah has stayed in Liverpool, done well for Liverpool, but that was very, very close. But... In terms of Liverpool losing Salah at that moment, it seemed that that was not possible. But I'm not sure that people want to talk the Saudi league away. I think that we've just seen the start. I've, now they're going to host the World Cup in 2034. Uh, they are here to stay. And mind you, in all dressing rooms around Premier League, they're all talking about Saudi Arabia. And I can see, I can see younger players going to Saudi Arabia in the next one or two years. They are pushing up prices. They are pushing up wages in the Premier League. And for some leagues around Europe, uh, Premier League has been the Saudi League for them. So this is this this is here to stay. And I also think that the the latest court ruling now can open things up. We we do the cards again. Yes, I see all the statements from the from the club. We're going to be loyal to FIFA, UEFA and all that kind of thing. Don't be worried for Saudi teams in the Champions League. Be worried what the Champions League team will be will be doing in the next 5 years in in different leagues around the world. So that number 7, what have we got at 6? Uh, um, the end of an era in Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo seeking pastures new. Ronaldo himself going to Saudi Arabia. Lionel Messi coming this side of the pond to, to, into Miami. Um, and it, it really kind of signaled so much. One, that both these two are human after all, given the 
what, 10, 15 years that they'd given to this game, you questioned whether they were human. Um, Father Time caught up with them, so they, they've moved on. Um, it's left an opportunity for, for the next rising star, but for two players who have dominated European football, world football, and everything that we discuss about it for, for the last decade and a half. Um, I guess it had to come to an end. Uh, we, we move on now. Jules, I'm not sure if it's because we're based in the States and I might be completely wrong here, but there's a feeling that there seems to be a lot more positive spin around Messi's move to Inter Miami than Ronaldo's to Saudi Arabia. Yes, yes, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree with you, I think. Um, I mean, probably for the nature that we just explained, the summer that the Saudis had and just trying to get all those top players around to try to make their league attractive when MLS was obviously more established already and it means far more, especially on the, the American continent, North America and South America as well. Probably that's why. Probably also because... You know, with Messi and Argentina winning the World Cup, everything that followed was just, I mean, 10 times more than anything else, any other player in the world, Cristiano included, mm. but Haaland, Mbappe, all the other stars, Salah, Neymar, everybody else, really. So maybe if Messi had not won the World Cup and had not come as an Inter Miami player, as a World Cup winner, and even then a Ballon d'Or winner after that, maybe it would have been a little bit more level, but I agree with you, yeah, I think it was more positive, it, was, it, was, it felt bigger, it felt more and also because he hit the ground running so quickly and won a title very early and all of that I think there was that messy magic that maybe we didn't see so much for Cristiano in Saudi although Cristiano has done really well in Saudi but, but MLS is a stronger league than Saudi let's let's be honest here do you agree Jan well first of all I think we're so lucky to be living in a generation that could see two two one or two of the greatest players ever played on, on the earth. But I'm not 100% sure. I think that we are using our American hat on that. Yes, he's done a fantastic impact uh, in Miami, in the MLS, but I, maybe what Cristiano Ronaldo started in Saudi Arabia, you can mean and have your opinion of, of the project as much as you want, but that started maybe one of the big rev revolutions we just talked about it, what, what happened with the Saudis, that a lot of the players going there, yes, they were older players, or at least at the end of their career, but I think that in a longer term, what Cristiano Ronaldo started going to the, to, the, to the Saudi league can have a bigger impact on football than Messi had going to the MLS. Uh, we will take a little moment just to collect ourselves. Just a reminder then of the six, well, the five that we've named so far. VAR, Liverpool 7-0, Germany's ties will drama. Do you want to explain that again, Jack? No. Uh, Saudi transfers <laughs> uh, Messi and Ronaldo uh, leaving Europe. Uh, we will be bringing you the top five at the end of the programme. Can you remember the last time you had fun on a bike ride? Lectra e-bikes, the number one seller of e-bikes in America, is here to bring fun and joy back to biking. Their riders routinely say they feel like kids again riding these bikes, and one even said, I'm a 46-year-old man and can honestly say I haven't had this much fun on a bike since I was 10 years old. These e-bikes from Electric are fast, up to 28 miles an hour. They offer lightweight and foldable e-bikes so you can easily take them on the go to explore national parks, campgrounds and more. Even if you don't have a truck, trailer or bike rack, many of their models will fit in the trunk of a car. 
They also offer long-range batteries that provide over 65 miles of range, so you can explore further and longer. Head over to electricebikes.com today and take their bike quiz to find a model that's perfect for your needs. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It was quite the debate, wasn't it, as to who was going to win the Ballon d'Or this year. In the end, it was Lionel Messi, who of course gets the standing ovation here. Uh, Erling Haaland uh, was someone very much cited by somebody on this panel uh, quite loudly who felt that they should have won it. Uh, now, could he win the best men, FIFA's best? Now, this starts after the World Cup all the way through to August the 20th. Erling Haaland, Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi are the three nominations. I'll keep this simple, boys. Let, 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 like Jules and, and Jan are still with us. Jan, who was the best player in the calendar year? Erling Haaland. Definitely. Are you going to say any more, or is that that's just it? No, it's, I know you asked for a <laughs> sharp question. You'll get a sharp answer. I think that he, what he did, Pep Guardiola, since he left Barcelona, he was desperate to win the Champions League. Uh, he couldn't do it by in Bayern. He couldn't do it by Manchester City. He's signing Erling Haaland. He's winning the treble, uh, winning the Champions League. You can't just give prizes on merits. Although I'm a big, big fan of Lionel Messi. Before you start having a go at me on Twitter, I am a big, big fan of him. But Erling Haaland, for me, just the calendar year, 100% him to win the award. Yeah, I don't think there's much of an argument to say that Messi should win it for, for this calendar year. Jan, who do you have? Uh, Jules, sorry, who do you have? Um, I, I agree with Jan. I think you can't, you, you just can't look beyond Erling Haaland for all the goals, for the trophies, of course, for his adaptation to English football. Straight away, hitting the ground running straight away. Okay, albeit in a city team with Guardiola as a good, but still, it's just not easy to come over in a team that had been playing for so long with not a number nine. Now they've got the best number nine, maybe, but still a, a very traditional number nine, too. Incredible. And I think Mbappe is not far behind, of course. Harry Kane has an incredible 2023, by the way, in Australian right. Spurs then, and then obviously a Bayern for the second half of it. But I think it has to be Haaland. 
Miss Eslot? Yeah, I'm, I'm in total. Yeah. I'm not sure how we look much further than Erling Haaland. For, for, this, for this award during the calendar year, yes. it's got to be Haaland. OK, we saw a number of big names, of course, hang up their boots and retire this season. Uh, some surprising, some, of course, not. Uh, when you take a look at what they achieved, Gareth Bale has gone off into the sunset uh, to play lots of golf. Uh, Cesc Fabregas, many thought, had retired a long time ago, but no, in fact, he made it official this year. Eden Hazard, of course, one of the big surprises. Joaquin uh, Ozil, David Silva, Theo Walcott, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and, of course, uh, Mr Buffon uh, for, for you, Shaka. I, I suppose when you take a look at that list, Jules, Eden Hazard is the one that kind of hits you the hardest because of the way that over, well, since that move from Chelsea to Real Madrid, he has just completely bottomed out. Yeah, you're right. The youngest one as well of the list, yeah. uh, by the way, at 32 years old. Those injuries, not only the injuries, of course, but the injuries haven't helped. But then the attitude, the, um, his lack of professionalism. And you know how many times I've tried to defend him on the show, especially against Ali. But then there's a point where you say, OK, man, you, you can't, we can't help yourself. We can't help you anymore because you're not helping yourself. And I think it's a real shame for someone so talented, so genius in many ways to have come to to the club of his dream because he, he dreamed of playing for Real Madrid and in the end that was the, the biggest nightmare that he will ever have. So it's sad and others have finished much later, much older. I mean, Chiellini was so close to, to finishing on, on such a high note by, mm. by winning the MLS Cup. But if you look at it, all most of them really left and finish without winning anything on their last game, for example. They even have nothing to play on their last game, which, in a way, after those great careers that they all had pretty much, is still a little bit sad. Buffon for you, Shaq? You oh, oh yeah. I just want to say about Eden Hazard, and I think the disappointing thing is, is it's, it's easy to forget how good he was at Chelsea. And, and while certainly for, for the, the short term, you kind of can't get past how disappointing things were, were at Real Madrid, you hope that's not his legacy. Certainly Chelsea fans would remember him, but the neutral kind of think of, of the, the Real Madrid years. I, I hope that changes in, in a little bit of time and we go back to remembering exactly how good Eden Hazard was. Uh, Is Buffon your greatest ever? I'm trying to remember yes. the conversations we've had yeah. in the past. For, for, for me, G, uh, Gigi Buffon has been the best goalkeeper ever. Um, and, and to see him, again, admit that he's human and that career has to, has to come to an end, um, it's, it's a sad day for, for us in the goalkeepers' union. Uh, Jan, anyone else you'd like to talk about on the list? Gareth Bale. Even yeah. you now, when you started to talk about his golf, if you have a look at the career of Gareth Bale, he had a fantastic career. You can't say he's one of the best British players ever. When you see what he's done, mm. the goals he's scored, Welsh legend, what he did with Wales as, a, as, a, as their captain, as their everything. He's the biggest Welsh hero since Tom Jones or Richard Burton. He's up there. <laughs> he is a great, great legend. So Gareth Bale, I think there will be a time that we will forget about his golf and see what he did for Real Madrid and for his uh, national team. Uh, meanwhile, not only in the men's game we saw some big retirements, but of course in the women's game as well. Um, in the US, uh, Megan Rapinoe, uh, Julie Erds, Ali Krieger as well. Now for a lot more of reflections on their career and their contribution to US soccer, both on and off the pitch. Be sure to check out a special edition of Football Americas, which is available on ESPN+. 
passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Seasons change, why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during the Alienware Summer Sale event and save on select next-gen Alienware PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with our advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at alienware.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Exceptional prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com slash deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Let's head back then to our top 10 stories of 2023. We made it to six. What's coming in at number five, Shaq? Uh, Harry Kane's long-awaited move oh. for many a year. Um, we, we'd been discussing Harry Kane, his career at Spurs, whether he needed to move to win silverware, where that move would come about. Things with Manchester City a couple of seasons ago. Finally, Bayern Munich get the, well, prime away from, from Daniel Levy. Not just the kind of amazing feat of doing that, but how he started the, the season in, in, in the Bundesliga, equaling Robert Lewandowski's start so far, um, he has hit the ground running and some. So there's a lot to discuss about, about Harry Kane um, as to what may come, but right now it's, it's very exciting, everything that he, he produces. So exciting, in fact, and he could break Lewandowski's goal-scoring record, which, of course, he just broke from Gerd Meller. Absolutely. A record you thought that it would never be broken. Lewandowski did it. And now Harry Kane can do, do it as well. I mean, unbelievable. 21 goals. And there is a lot more to come. Uh, and when you see, when you compare with Lewandowski or Gerd Müller, maybe the best goal-getter goal ever. And now this, this is, I agree with, with Shaka, this is a fantastic story. Not only for Harry Kane going there, sitting now somewhere with a cigar, looking at his teammates playing football at Christmas, because for the first time he got a, a, little, a little break. But, but it's also a big thing for the German Bundesliga, but they have, because they have given players away, if they're Dembele, Sancho or, or Haaland or Bellingham, giving them away, and then get the England captain to their country, to their league, and one of the best lads around. I mean, he's unbelievable popular in, in Germany, not only for his goals, but also how he treats and respects other people. A fantastic move for him and his family and also for Bayern Munich and the Bundesliga. Uh, this, sound, this sounds a bit patronising, but it's, it's impossible not to be happy for him, isn't it, Jules? 
Yeah, completely. And let's not forget that. So 21 goals, Jan said, five assists in 15 league games because obviously Bayern have one game in hand because he didn't play because of the snow against uh, in one of the games. So it's just incredible, the numbers. But most of that has been, he's been on his own in Munich, in a hotel. Okay, it'll be a lovely, sweet, very expensive. But still, the family was in London. They were looking for mm. a house. So you're on your own here. It's not that the boys know when you move and you change clubs, you need the, the your environment around you to be able to perform well on the pitch. So it can't be easy to be moving, to be on your own, not seeing the kids. He's got four children, not seeing his wife, no family there. And he's got his teammates, of course, and Thomas Muller has been very close to him. They play golf together, all of that. That's great, but still, at night, he's on his own. He's on his own there. And yeah, for him to perform so well, so quickly, in a new league, new language that he doesn't speak, knowing no one there, not the referee, nobody else, nothing, it's just even more incredible than just the goals and the assists that we've seen and the performances that you put. That, of course, one of the big money moves that we saw in the summer. Harry Kane moving to Bayern Munich. Number four is also a big money move. Yeah, and in the same vein, June Bellingham going to, to Real Madrid. I, I, give, I put Jude Bellingham just ahead of, of Kane simply because Bellingham is a younger player. I don't think anybody expected him to have the starter Real Madrid um, that he did. And, and while, yes, you have recognised exactly how good a player he was, and, and you saw that in first half of the year with his contributions to, to Borussia Dortmund. Don't make me bumble over that explanation again. Um, but then, while you totally understood Real Madrid spending the money that they did, I certainly thought this was more about the long term, him be building in to becoming that Real Madrid player. But as we sit, we have a player who certainly started at, at a quicker goal-scoring rate than Cristiano Ronaldo. Mind, remind everyone that this is an attacking midfielder. I mean, it simply has been phenomenal to witness from somebody this young at a club this big. And it's unprecedented, isn't it, Jules? You look at the big name, you look at Zidane, Figo, Beckham, Owen, Ronaldo, wherever you want to go in Real Madrid's history when they brought in big names. Nobody has had this impact at such an age and nobody seems to have embraced this team and become the leader so quickly. Yeah, incredible again, remarkable. Top La Liga goal scorer right now. Uh, best, best from Madrid player, best player in, in Europe. There's no doubt, best player in the world for the, this first half of the season with, with Kane. But, but to do it, like Shaka said, so young. Again, different culture, different country, different league, different football, all of that. Kane had been scoring goals all his life, so it was very likely that he would keep scoring at Bayern Munich, of course, maybe not. So, so quickly and so well, but he would have still been successful there. For Bellingham to arrive in Madrid and straight away to want to learn the language, to want to integrate himself, to have also, let's not forget, Carlo Ancelotti changing the system and the formation just for him, just to get the best out of Bellingham, for Carlo to have seen that coming is incredible. And for Jude to have taken it all on board and to have put it on, on the pitch like that, it's just remarkable. It's just 20 years old. He's 20. <laughs> it's just, well, what, what's next then? It's going to just get better and better and better. It's going to win the World Cup and the Euros, Jules. Both <laughs> against France. Yeah, <laughs> um, and what's interesting, <laughs> uh, Shaka brought it up yeah. before, didn't he? Uh, obviously, what happened to Dortmund, Jude Bellingham wasn't involved in that final game because of injury. If he was, would it be a completely different story? 
Absolutely, it would have been because he was one of the central players. Not only he was as a, as a 19 year old, more or less the captain. And it's it's amazing that the steps he's, he's taking. I I was following Dortmund for two years, following that Norwegian striker, and you just saw the development not only on the pitch but outside the pitch. A polite guy doing the right moves for his career, going from Birmingham to Dortmund to go from a good player into a great player, get the chance there to establish himself and England. My, Wow, they got a 20-year-old that will probably get 150 caps. He will be a captain there for 12, mm. 13 years. So, I mean, th this is this is what he's doing at the moment. Did we expect it? We expected him doing well, but we didn't expect him to go all the way. We have to be that honest. So quick. Uh, let's go to our top three then. Jude Bellingham is a fourth. What comes in at three, Shaka? Stories of the year. Um... Team titles for the top three, Napoli winning their first Serie A title in 33 years since Diego Maradona. That, this was a huge story, especially coming off the back of Juventus' domination. I know they've, they've waned over the last four or five years, but Napoli would come so close so many times to finally bring it home um, in, in the aptly named Diego Maradona Stadium. I, I, I thought this was an incredible story. And again, just kind of going back to my own days of growing up, enjoying Diego Maradona, recognizing what he represented to this city and to this team, and to wait this long to see these images replicated. Um, it, it, was, it was a huge story for all of football, I think. And of course, Jules, what made these celebrations so much more sweeter is that they've been so close on occasions in the past during that dry run, and there was an inevitability fans felt that they were going to shoot themselves in the foot again, but this time, obviously, they didn't. No, they were just too good. So much better than everybody else from, from day one, really. They had that incredible unbeaten run until the intergame. In January, I think it was, they played the best football. They had the best player in Varskelia, who was the big surprise revelation of the season. And Ozymen, of course. They were just, Luciano Spalletti did an amazing job with that team. That had been... Look, like building, really, like you said, because they came close before, but now this was the, um, the the pinnacle, really, of this generation of this team with this manager on the bench, and it was just uh, the style as well to do it, and to do it, to be the first one to do it after the Maradona team all those years ago. You had almost to do it in style. If they had done it very defensive and, and not nice style, not nice football, okay, they would have celebrated and taken it, but it would not have felt the same. Now they were the best team in Europe. They played the best football in Europe with City, really, and they were unlucky in the Champions League to, to lose out to Milan in the quarterfinals. But, but yeah, the style, and, and then when you look at Maradona and everything, that from him to look down on this incredible team, what he meant to the people of Naples, that shirt, the stadium, everything. It was just so fitting. It was it was perfect. Yeah, per perfect's a good way to describe it, isn't it, Jan? Absolutely. And unfortunately, I've never played in Naples. I've never played at the ground, but I've been working there. And then we lived at a hotel next to the stadium. And not that, that I haven't won since the Maradona time. Nothing has changed since the Maradona time. It's exactly the same as it was like 30, 40 years ago, the stadium and everything. And you have cities where they, where they have a football club. In, in Napoli or Nap Naples, whatever we call the, the city, they they are the football club. I mean, they're so passionate, and we saw that by the celebration. I mean, that must be the best celebration ever. And can you imagine playing in a stadium called Diego Armando Maradona Stadium? Wow, everything fit to the bill. Uh, so Napoli come in at number three. You said two and one were trophy winners, Shank. Who's mm -hmm. number two? Number two, Spain. 
being the Women's World Cup winning team of, of the summer. First of all, I thought the tournament was a, an outstanding event and, and credit to Australia for the job that they did. Spain started the tour, came into the tournament in controversy, won it and then had controversy at the end of it. I thought in, in footballing terms, Spain were, were again outstanding in, in a tournament that you can say so much of, of the women in, in this tournament. How they handled everything before and during the tournament and then kind of given the patriarchal nature of the game, if not misogynistic, the way the women stood up um, in full recognizing of their own rights, um, I, I thought was, was empowering for all young aspiring female footballers out there. This, this case was, was what started the post-tournament controversy. But again, the way the women rallied around each other, the way they said that we are not standing for this anymore, I think has huge impacts for the women's game and for women's sport. Uh, Jules, of course, you were there. Yeah, three and a half weeks, incredible success. I mean, I know watching on television, you had that feeling when we were there, it was even even better. Everybody was so on board. The whole of Australia fell in love with a sport that is not really one of their main sports in soccer. And yet it was just like, it was incredible to be there. And obviously that night where Australia beat France in the quarterfinals on that dramatic penalty shootout was even more special to, to witness it and how the whole country and Brisbane, especially that night, fell in love with their, with their women's team. It was it was it was really amazing and unbelievable and and Spain was so good that Aitana Bonmati is, a, is an incredible player to watch really and and I really hope that this World Cup means something very special for the development of women's football in general at grassroots level at the top 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 level of course and that, and that people get all fully on board uh, yeah yeah, I think for the football family, what's going on now is, is very, very good. I mean, yes, and I agree with the boys, it's a fantastic World Cup and, and Spain as they stood up for themselves. And then that president kiss kind of made it why it's so important that we are all standing together on this helping them to develop and we see now the crowds we just saw Tottenham playing Arsenal was it 55,000 a great game I watched that game fantastic football game and the development is, is is good for all of us and you see also in England now with the Lionesses the Lionesses being so popular just Herbs the goalkeeper winning the BBC personality of, of the year and things like that is they're just small things all over the place now getting the respect they deserve in times of football this world cup was brilliant we in norwegian we were not good unfortunately we were there but we were not good enough but you just see the development also on the pitch is not only the number of crowd but also on the pitch is uh, is rapid and that is great great news for all of us so that number two shaka what is the number one story for you of 2023 well i think the men's team that's dominated the game this year manchester city winning the treble and then a few days ago adding to that with the club world cup um, that has been the biggest story again a team that's come so close certainly to winning the champions league but have failed have stumbled at, at the final hurdle this is what pep guardiola was brought to manchester to do to lift this title erling Haaland, the big story the big addition in, in the summer to, to make all that possible um, 
I, it's hard to deny that 2023 has belonged to Manchester City. Uh, Jan, I'm inclined to go to you next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could do that. I mean, that, that was an amazing year for Manchester City. It was an amazing year for Erling Haaland. It's an amazing story as well that you, at the same time, signing an Argentinian, 23 years of age, winning 14 trophies, and a couple <laughs> of days ago, scoring two goals at the Club World Cup. It's just amazing how they did it. And, they, I mean, it's a cliche, but it's quite hard to win a treble. I mean, you have to be not only being constant over a, over the season in terms of the league, but you have to win the final. You have to go to champ the Champions League final, winning there. Inter worked hard. Remember all those big chances at the end there. But at the end, Rodri, the key man, the guy in the midfield, made made a winner. An amazing, amazing effort of, of Manchester City. And we can say this and that about money and all that kind of thing. This is a fantastic performance to be able to win three titles uh, like Manchester City did. Uh, Jan makes a valid point, doesn't he? Jules, we don't see a team every year winning the treble. It's quite rare. Yeah, story made, obviously, in England because only Manchester United had done it before and that was a very, very long time ago. It's really rare. You're right. And I think what shows you this is, this is greatness, this is one of the greatest team ever, is because of the way they respond when they, when they pushed, when you, when you poked them, when you challenged them. Arsenal pushed them all the way in the league and yet they put that incredible run in the end and they win the league. Inter Milan pushed them all the way in that final and me and Jan were there and yet they respond and they win it. I mean, even United in a way in the FA Cup final, a derby, the first ever derby, Manchester derby in a cup final, never easy to approach, you're the big favourite and yet you still win it and I think of course, sometimes you're just the best and you, you don't need to be pushed to win and you don't, people don't compete with you really. But I think it's even better, even greater when you are pushed and you still win three trophies like that. It's incredible. Let's take a look then and remind you of Shaka's top 10 stories of 2023. Uh, Jan, are you in agreement with this order that Shaka's come up with? Well, when Shaka starting with his uh, brain and, and you kind of compare with algorithm and he will forget Girona, uh, I think that is a fantastic, fantastic list from Shaka. He's delivering like his best days on the pitch. Wow, Shaka. There you are. You didn't drop the ball on this one. Uh, Jules, uh, 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 you can't just uh, say I need to use my brain a little bit more. Well, that basically well, what you were saying. There you go. Uh, uh, Jules, do you agree with Jan? Yeah, I mean, always disappointed that PSG don't feature in this. I think they, they had their place, of course. Uh, but I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, I mean, I think, I think it's great. The best power ranking we've seen from Shaka in a very long time. Maybe Sevilla could have sneaked in in 10th instead of the, the VAR for winning oh, again yeah, the Europa League. Maybe Barca, four years four years without winning La Liga to finally winning again. Maybe number 10, but I think it's, a, it's almost a perfect number 10. So well done, Shaka. Uh, there we are. Lovely job. Thank you very much. Chelsea. Che really good. Chelsea could have been there as well for spending a billion dollars and still being rubbish. Oh, no, no, no. Not the mumbling. Uh, if you want to see a proper year in review show, uh, be sure to check out the latest edition of the Gavin Jules podcast. Uh, they will be doing theirs. You can check that out over on the website. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, 
poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Are you tired of uncomfortable, stuffy clothing when you're on the move? Task Performance is here to revolutionize your active lifestyle. Crafted with their innovative organic cotton and bamboo fabric blend, Task Performance's Carrollton Collection is Task's all-time most popular active wear. Task's Carrollton Collection is breathable, moisture-wicking, and provides USPF 50-plus sun protection, keeping you fresh, cool, and comfortable all day long. Task has harnessed the natural performance qualities of bamboo to deliver amazingly soft and durable apparel produced in an ethical and sustainable manner. Whether you're hitting the gym or on the trail, the golf course, traveling, the office, or just around town, Task's Carrollton Collection will help you feel better, move better, and live better. Available in dozens of colors. See what better looks like at taskperformance.com. Use code SPORTS to get 20% off. That's code SPORTS at TASCperformance.com. Task, creating the most comfortable performance apparel on the planet. Just a reminder, 2024 will be bringing you every single La Liga game live on ESPN+. And what a second half of the season it looks set to be. All eyes will be on Real Madrid against Mallorca. Then Girona against Atletico Madrid. They are the big games, no doubt about it, on January the 3rd. Be sure to join us. Of course, before that, games are plenty. As always, during the festive period in the Premier League, you look at tomorrow, Manchester United taking on Aston Villa. And then it's Chelsea Palace, Everton against Manchester City. City returning, of course, as a Club World Cup winners. And then Brighton Spurs, Arsenal West Ham. What a great day uh, that looks set to be as well. And we will be with you every single day like a bad smell. You can't get rid of us uh, to reflect on all the big stories in the footballing world. Uh, that is it then. That brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope you're having a very happy holiday. Uh, if you want more of us, and let's face it, who wouldn't want more Jan Argafjortov? Uh, be sure to stay tuned as Extra Time is next. Welcome in then to the latest edition of Extra Time. Shaka Hislop with us here in the studio. Jan is here, Jules as well. Uh, a lot of reflection, of course, as there always is at the end of the year, and that is certainly reflected in our questions here today. Favourite footballing moment of 2023? Oh, wow. Ooh. That's a big one. Goodness me. Mm. Uh, Jules? I would go for uh, the semi-final second leg of the Champions League in Milan between Inter and, and AC Milan. I've never been to San Siro for either Milan or Inter. I've been there for when France played Italy. So it was my first time and I just I just could not and I've been warned before. People have said you will see this is this is something else. But but I was still blown away by the atmosphere, by the Inter Ultras to 
to start with on the, with the home game, so there were obviously more of them. But there were still 8,000 of Milan fam on the other curva, on the other side, behind the other goal, and they were so noisy. I mean, the stadium is an old stadium, of course. It was literally shaking, I promise you. And when Lautaro scored and had that celebration in front of the ultra, it was just, the whole night was just incredible. Now, if you are a football fan and you on your bucket list, you, you want to come to Europe or go to a European stadium, there's loads of, who are great, but San Siro really is a special, special place, especially for Derby. Thank you very much, Gav. Um, meanwhile, Jan. <laughs> yeah, I could, uh, I could have said San, si San Siro. I went there when Milan played Salzburg. I agree with Jules' great description. But I have to say, and I know that you will say I go Haaland again, but I, I know a guy called Alfie Haaland. I played with him. Uh, played with him since he was a young kid. Standing with him at Etihad when this son of his winning the Premier League, doing the celebration, doing all the interviews. I think that was that was for me personally the greatest moment uh, that I was a part of. Yeah, mine was set. My son went to the final, the Istanbul final, and uh, he's a big Manchester City fan. So that's got to be my favourite footballing moment, just because you see him happy, Shaq. Oh, because uh, you're so selfless, Dan. Exactly, exactly. Oh, no. And he had a good shirt, Dan. Your son had he a good shirt. He did have a good shirt because a good friend of mine got him a signed Erling Haaland <laughs> oh. shirt. Oh, what a lovely man. You're so selfless. He's going to keep that in his back pocket for a while. That's hey, going to uh, come hey, me hey, in the butt hey, one day. You know who, who's picking up? Be dinner time anytime. Shaq, I'm concerned because you don't really remember what has happened yesterday, let alone <laughs> in the calendar year. Uh, um, but, uh, as you, you know, I'm Caribbean football through and through, and we yes. don't we don't have a. I sit here and criticise a lot and complain a lot, but this summer we, we spoke about the Women's World Cup, how fantastic a tournament that, that was. Jamaica women found themselves in a group alongside France and Argentina and progressively knockout stages. And I thought, um, I, I, I thought witnessing that, witnessing a Caribbean team in a group that strong to have that kind of success, um, I, I, it was, it, it was, it was pride filling. I, 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 I really enjoyed, and it meant a lot to to football in the region. As, as good as this tournament was for women's football, I think the Jamaica women flew the flag for the game, regardless of gender, um, in, in certainly in the Caribbean islands. What was the game of the year? Oh my God, you should have been prepped for these lot, do you? I mean, right, what was the game of the year? Yeah, Jan's face says it all, Jules as well. Shaq, I can't remember <laughs> so anything. I can, well, <laughs> well, Liverpool beat Manchester United 7-0. That was the game of the year for you? Yes, that was the game of the year. Because you don't like Manchester United? Um, because I, I can't remember much else. Oh, <laughs> that's fair enough, you take that. Uh, uh, Jules, your memory is good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's, it's hard, to be fair. I think there were a few, and the, the Liverpool United that, pick, that, that Shaka pick is one of them. For me, the City win against Real Madrid in the second leg at the Etihad in the Champions League semi-final was just... It was just something else, really, that I'd never seen Real Madrid of my boy Karim the Dream being so <laughs> not dominated doesn't even make it justice to how good City were, especially in the first half. It was just wave after wave after wave. It was uh, the best half I've seen live in a stadium of football in a very long time, if not ever. So for me, that City Real Madrid second leg of the Champions League yeah. was was the game of the season of the year. What about you? What about you, Jan? 
Yeah, I, 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 if you see that question, it doesn't have to be a positive one. So it's just be the game of the year that I, I do remember. Very decisive. And I, I will go Scotland playing here in Norway, in Oslo. That was a decider oh. for us. We were 1-0 up. And then for some reason, our national coach thought it was a good idea to take Erling Haaland off. And Scotland oh. turned it around, winning 2-1. I worked for Scottish TV on that game. Uh, coming Steve Clark coming over, the national coach of Scotland. I say, how pleased were you when they took Erling off? And he said one thing and his face said something else. You know, uh, we're very diplomatic. But I, I will remember that game because it was so decisive for us. Now going into the Euros when every country in Europe is taking part except the Vatican and Norway. So that is my game of the year. <laughs> Oh, man. Who wins this year's infamous Muppet of the Year award? Oh. Uh, oh. oh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's just a standard answer, Jack. Uh, oh. yeah, Jules? <laughs> so I thought hard about this one, and I think, again, there's a few contenders. And it doesn't have to be too negative, because Muppet sounds a little bit, but, but I think Jose Mourinho for me, what, what a year, 2023. I mean, he lost the European final, of course, but all the sending off, the whinging, the complaining, the, the I mean, and, and Mourinho is great at times, the punchlines, we love it, we love interviewing him. He's really, really good at times, but when he's bad, he's really bad. And I think in 2023, especially, I think he was bad And now Roma, uh, eighth in the table. He's almost begging for the club to give him a new deal because his current deal expires at the end of the season. And I don't think he will be there next season. I don't think where, I don't know where he will go. But yeah, 2023, I felt it was a little bit too much of the bad Jose Mourinho compared to the good Jose Mourinho. Uh, Jan, Muppet of the Year. <laughs> for me, Muppet is uh, for me the two on the balcony. So the the, the main candidates will be Stephen Nichol and Craig Burley. But I of won't course, go every there. Year. Yeah, yeah, every year they are the Muppets <laughs> nice. of the season. Now I won't go there. I will I will go to the Khan family, uh, the Oliver Khan family. Uh, I oh. reported that uh, Oliver Khan will be fired, uh, and then made a big big story in Germany. And obviously they had a go at me. The whole family, including his brother, that were. That will never happen. And when he then was fired, that was made a big interview that me and Lotta Matthäus, yes, I can name drop, that is good for me, good for me, me and Lotta, uh, will, 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 we, we ruined the career of Oliver Kahn. So for me, the brother of Oliver Kahn is a Muppet of the year. Brilliant. I love that they've been gathering around for Christmas. <laughs> nice. Have a go at Jan. <laughs> good boy. No cards, no cards did, they ever, did they ever get in contact with you? No, 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 no. They, they didn't dare to do that. Look how strong I am. I had no chance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Throw a fish in their face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't ask me. Have, have ask. you got a Muppet? Yeah. Go on. Todd Bowley. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Nice. Oh. It was, one of, it was uh, on my list as well, Shaka. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. That, 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 that doesn't need much explanation. Okay, now what was your favourite non-soccer sporting moment of the year? Oh. Europe winning the Ryder Cup. <laughs> That's got to be good. That's got to be up there. I'm thinking athletics, so there's only one race that really mattered. Oh, what, what race was that? Featuring one of one of our panellists. Was that this no, year? No, was no, the no. fish? <laughs> well, that wasn't this year. Was that this year? <laughs> It was a January, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wow. a January. There you go. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> that, was, 
That filled so many of my days with laughter. There you go. Perfect. Uh, here it comes then, as a special festive treat. We go back to January, and Jan, in this charity race. He falls, started, and everything. Yeah, and now look at the fish. Uh, this, of course, we've shown a number of times, still Shaka. It's at the end where you really did think, is he going to get caught? Right now, everybody's going, come on, fish! Come on, fish! Come on, fish! There you got go. him, fish! <laughs> oh, God! Oh, yes. Oh, goodness oh, me. Beautiful. There you go. jeez. Oh. Oh, okay. uh, your favourite non-soccer sporting moment of the year, Jules? So I think I stayed up pretty much all night to watch LeBron James beat Karim Abdul-Jabbar's uh, most points scored ever in the NBA. I think that was very special in, back in February for the Lakers against OKC. And in the same way, as you know, I much I love my NBA, to see Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets win their first NBA title was very special. And Jokic, very much a genius of his own, certainly in terms of basketball, because he also sees it just as a job, which is something I quite like. I think Jokic is a is a very special player, so that was a very special moment. What do you prefer, NBA or soccer, Jules? Nah, still, I'm still a football soccer guy, but the NBA is very close. It's my, I love it, and there's something nice when the whole house is quiet, everybody's asleep, and you stay up and you watch a game, an NBA game at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. for us here in, in London, and then Next month, I go to Paris for a proper NBA game in my, in my hometown, you know, so it's, it's really cool. Wow. Nah, I love, I love the NBA. Very good. Uh, for Jules and Jan, what? Oh, Jan, no, did I see you? All right, Jan, all right. Yes, all right. I forgot. Calm down. I will say that because I'm not a big <laughs> golf fan, but I see a great yeah. athlete when I see one, Victor Hovland. Yeah. Victor Hovland, not only, a, yeah, not only a great player, but also a fantastic ambassador for Norway, for himself, for his family, for his sport. I, I, I'm just a pleasant guy to watch. He's a fantastic ambassador, uh, winning some key tournaments this uh, 2023, so he's mine. Thank you who's for Richard? letting me him, say that. Who, who's Richard, him or Erling Haaland, Jan? They will both be behind me, of course, <laughs> but I think in times, times will tell. I th oh, that is a good question. I'm not sure. I haven't asked them. <laughs> Can I see your bank account, please? Thank you very much. How rich are you? <laughs> for, for, for Jules and Jan, now, Jules has already mentioned this, that horrible game at San Siro. Uh, what was your favourite game you watched live in the stadium while doing your press work this calendar year, Jan? Well, Archie had to go to uh, uh, a wedding in Greece, a uh, big fat Greek wedding. So he had to go there. So I, I went for ESPN doing Bayern Munich against Leverkusen. First of all, it was a fantastic football game. That was great. But also the way we, we did that show, uh, we got all the big names, Tuchel, Kane, Alonso, Boniface, they all came to us. Everything worked so good. Everything was live. It was a fantastic football game between the challenger Leverkusen against Bayern Munich. It was just, just uh, entertaining and it was a pleasant time to be in Munich working for ESPN. What's that got to do with a Greek wedding? Because Archie couldn't do it. Archie, have you heard about Archie, your colleague? He had to go to Greece for a wedding. Oh, oh, I don't oh, I missed the Archie bit. I thought you oh, said you were gone. Oh, no, 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 sorry. There we go, Archie. 
say. All right, you. Sorry. Sorry. There we go. There you are. Oh, good. Uh, Jules, don't take San Siro again. Have a game with some goals. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's not listening. Jules! <laughs> no, no, what did you, sorry, I didn't know if you were talking to me, sorry. What did you say? Yes, yes. Don't say San Siro, say something more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, I've got another one, to be fair, because Jan mentioned when he, when he watched Erling winning the, the Premier League. T to be fair, the Champions League final was not the greatest of finals, I give you that. But it's always special when you can be at the stadium to watch a Champions League final and to cover it and to be there to see City winning finally the Champions League, to see Pep Guardiola and what he meant to him and to all the fans was very good. And you, you, we are so lucky, Jan and I especially, to go to a lot of games. Uh, so we should never, really never forget how lucky and privileged we are to be able to see live those moments in a stadium where millions of people are just watching on television. So for me, of all the year, I said San Siro was great, the, the City Real Madrid was amazing too, but the Champions League final, because it's the Champions League final, was also very, very special and amazing. Were you yawning then, Jen? No. Like I was thinking. What were you thinking? The one game you went to live, <laughs> let's not mention that. Yeah, let's, uh... <laughs> let's move on from that game. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to go to games yeah, anymore, no, that's it. it. Oh, boy. Um, as an engineer, is Shaka going to review his formula for the power rankings? Because the maths isn't maths in. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to review that. Wait, what's, what's maths in? It's not adding up. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's how the young people talk now. So man. the problem was, like your power rankings today, your final ones of 2023, yeah. had Girona not in the top 10. That's, that's, they failed me. <laughs> they, they failed you. The, the algorithm failed me, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to redo it. That's all. Should Shaka be nominated for the best performance by a lead actor for his ad at the ESPN FC Awards for 2023? There's so much depth you bring to this role, Shaka. It, it's quite impressive. I, I tell you what. Look at this. <laughs> you, you don't see many people walking in an airport quite like that. <laughs> Put your glasses on. Oh, look, 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 look at that. Look at that. Look, look, yeah, at, the, look, yeah. at, the, look at the brow, how it's. Oh, yes. oh, oh no. And, now, and, then, and then this. Oh. 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 What, just kicking the ball away? That was a pass! <laughs> to the, there was a guy right there! I was standing right for... Look at it. Oh, they're looking at... Oh, this, yes. this is the one. This is the one that sealed the Emmy. Right there. Yeah. Look at how the sun just... Oh, oh beautiful. <laughs> good directing, good acting, good everything. But yeah, just wonderful production values there. Yep. What were yeah. you doing? Just standing in the seat? I was thinking about the algorithm. Oh, really? Yeah. Where, like, oh. But Shaka, Shaka, I have to ask, where, where is Pamela Anderson when you have a movement on the beach there? Pamela well, Anderson. There we, oh, 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 oh. There we go. Oh, there we are. Uh, I was all right. There, no. For our younger viewers, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm off that big girlfriend. Yeah. That brings us to the end of uh, today's uh, festive special. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Bring some everyone. flowers next time. Sorry? Bring some festive flowers. I'm not in charge of the flowers. You bring them. You No, you. It's your show. No. Bring festive flowers. I just merely stitch it all together, <laughs> oh, Shaq. I think you led the way with your rankings today. <laughs> Very good. What happened with Dortmund? <laughs> <laughs> Till tomorrow. Goodbye. Oh, God. 
leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm-hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clip. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters, an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clearly. Wherever you get your podcasts.